Amen. Well, it's good to be uh, in church tonight, and I really enjoyed the Bible uh, project update to be able to see what was going on. We heard a lot through the radio and different means of uh, the project, but get to put our eyes upon what God was doing in Grenada and is doing in Grenada. Uh, before we open our Bibles for the message tonight, this touched my heart during the video. And Brother Dameron, thank you for the tremendous video that you put together. I'd like for you to take your Bible with both hands and hold it out there in front of you. Are you glad for that gift that we have, the Bible? How easy having many copies and familiar with the Bible that we take for granted the gift that God's given us. I'm thankful for my gift. Amen. All right, let's turn in our Bibles. The book of Nehemiah chapter number 1. Nehemiah chapter number 1. We had the privilege on the previous Sunday evening, last Sunday night, to preach from the book of Nehemiah chapter number 1 as we began this chapter. And we tried to show you from the Word of God how God works and how God took not a contractor but a cupbearer to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And it began with a burden in a man's heart. It began with a man that saw a need and his heart was touched and he was moved in his soul. We want to continue these thoughts tonight in chapter number 1. And tonight I want to really pick up in the uh, verse number 4 of chapter 1 and preach from the prayer of Nehemiah in Nehemiah chapter 1. I want to preach on the thought of the sincerity of praying. Sincere praying. Man, that effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, the Bible says. Here's a man under a burden for his people and for the condition of Jerusalem and the walls that were broken down, and he was burdened about that. And this burden took Nehemiah to his knees. Verse number 4 begins, And it came to pass, when I heard these words, that I sat down and wept, and mourned certain days, and fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. And tonight, I want to read the entire prayer through verse 11 of Nehemiah. Verse 5 says, And said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now day and night. For the children of Israel, thy servants, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we, notice Nehemiah includes himself in this discussion, in his prayer, we have sinned against thee. 
Both I and my father's house have sinned. We have dealt very corruptly against thee and have not kept the commandments nor the statutes nor the judgments which thou commandest thy servant Moses. Remember, I beseech thee, the word that thou commandest thy servant Moses, saying, If ye transgress, I will scatter you abroad among the nations. Now, although Nehemiah mentioned that in his remembrance of what he wants God to remember, I don't think that's all Nehemiah wants God to remember. It's God's judgment upon them for not keeping his word. But here's really the heartbeat of Nehemiah, what he wants God to recall and remember. Verse 9, But if you turn unto me and keep my commandments and do them, though there were of you cast out unto the uttermost part of the heaven, yet will I gather them from thence and will bring them unto the place that I have chosen to set my name there. See, Nehemiah's looking beyond that which was going to be meted out for their disobedience. He's looking forward to God keeping his word, what he would do if they would get their heart right with him. Now these are thy servants and thy people, verse 10, whom thou hast redeemed by thy great power and by thy strong hand. O Lord, I beseech thee, let now thine ear again, he's pleading for the attention of the Lord toward his prayer. Let now thine ear be attentive to the prayer of thy servant and to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name. And prosper, I pray thee, thy servant this day, and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, speaking of the king. For I was the king's cupbearer. Let's bow our heads and let's beseech the same God that Nehemiah sought this day. And let's pray and ask God's help tonight. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, may you encourage your people this evening to be a praying people. God, I believe we do have a praying church. But God, I pray you'd strengthen our hearts in this, in this matter of our lives. Help us, Lord, to be given daily and faithfully and regularly to prayer in our life. God, help us, Lord, above any other activity that we could do each day. Help us, Lord, be given to the matter of praying and seeking your face. God, help us tonight from your word. We beseech you, Lord. We ask you tonight that you would bless and you would help hearts. And we'll give you the thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. As we mentioned, the book of Nehemiah is a book about building. And I'm glad as I read this book, I do see a work that God was doing. And God did a, a lot of physical things whereby the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. God, through that process, was building relationships as they worked together on the walls. God was building his people through this process. And I'm glad today God's still in the building business. I'm glad God still does a work. I'm glad God still puts homes together and lives together and 
God's doing a great work, amen. I believe here at Tabernacle Baptist Church, amen. God's still in the building business. But before any of the building took place, before the walls were reclaimed and rebuilt, God did something in the heart of a man that got under a burden. I asked tonight, and I think this is an honest question, what is heavy upon your heart? What are you burdened about? What has the attention of your prayer life and your focus toward God? What are you concerned about? What are you burdened about? What soul are you praying for that's nearest hell? What nation, what country, what people do you have upon your heart? What family member, what loved one, what church member, what individual do you have at the top of your prayer list? What are you burdened about? What's your heart heavily concerned about? Well, I'm glad Nehemiah, even though he was a cupbearer, he knew to where to go with his burden. Amen. Take your burden to the Lord, amen, and leave it there. He knew where to take his burden. Matter of fact, as we read verse 4, speaking of the weeping and the mourning and the fasting and the praying, The Bible says that Nehemiah prayed before the God of heaven. He knew where to go with his burden. He knew where to go with his praying. Oh, that God's people get under such a burden that they go often to the feet of Jesus and leave their burden there. Amen. Do you have a burden for this church? Do you have a burden for individuals that need the Lord? Well, why don't you take those burdens, cast them at the feet of Jesus, leave them with the Lord, the one that's capable of hearing and answering those prayers. First of all, we we mentioned a few of these things last week, and I'll review quickly just uh, for your hearing tonight. First of all, we saw that in Nehemiah's prayer, he acknowledged the integrity of God. Verse 5, and said, I beseech thee, O Lord God of heaven, the great and terrible God that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him and observe his commandments. Amen. That's my God, the integrity of God that hears and answers prayer. He is the great and terrible God. He is the one that keepeth covenant and mercy for them that love him. That's my God, amen. That's who I'm praying to. That's who you're praying to. And then not only that, in the prayer of Nehemiah verse 6, we see that he asked for the interest of God in his prayer. Verse 6, let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant, which I pray before thee now. God, would you hear? Would you incline your ear to hear my prayer? He was asking for God to lean in, amen, and listen to his prayer. 
Psalm 40, verse 1, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. God's able to hear. He's able to listen when we pray, and I thank God for that. Now, moving on tonight with the message here concerning Nehemiah's prayer, I want to point out just a couple of more things this evening out of this prayer that I think Nehemiah was concerned about and was part of his prayer. Verse number 6, let me read it once again. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eyes open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant which I pray before thee now and say the next words with me. Day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. I see in Nehemiah's prayer, he was agonizing with an investment of time and tears. He made an investment in this prayer. You say, how do you see that? Well, his heart was invested in praying day and night. This prayer was such a serious matter and burden of his heart, he lost some sleep over this prayer request. It kept him up at night. Let me ask you, have you ever been so burdened about something you lost sleep over it? Sometimes people through stress and worry and anxiety lose sleep over things. I'm not just talking about that. I'm talking about having such a burden on your heart that it keeps you up or maybe gets you up in the wee hours of the night to pray over what your heart is heavy about, uh, praying to the God of heaven because it's the burden of your heart. That's an investment. He's invested his heart into his praying. It is, it is constantly on his mind he is praying with a burden. A burden. I read a tremendous book one time about a missionary in India. The title of the book, and many of you may have read this book before, called Praying Hide. How many has ever heard of that book? Let me see hands. Several hands all over. That man was a man given to prayer. His heart was heavy, and he agonized with God and spent much time on his face for the souls of men because he had a burden. He had a burden. He was agonizing, making an investment with his tears. He wept, as the Bible says, and mourned certain days. His heart was troubled about the condition of his people and the condition of this place he was concerned and agonizing and weeping because he carried a heavy burden in his heart. Turn to Psalm 42 in the Bible. Psalm 42. Don't lose your place in Nehemiah, but turn to Psalm 42. Psalm 42, verse number 1. Oh, that we as God's people might have a burden and we might invest our heart in praying. Psalm 42, verse number 1, as the heart, that's that deer, as the heart panteth after the water brooks, 
So panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Now look at verse 3 and 4. My tears have been my meat day and night. I'd say that's somebody with a burden. Day and night, those tears are streaming, those tears are flowing. He said it's been his meat day and night. That sounds like fasting, does it not? While they continually say to me, where is thy God? I tell you, the psalmist knew where his God was because he was talking to him. Verse 4, when I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Amen. I like that, holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. This was someone given to prayer. This was someone whose tears were their meat, whose soul was heavy, whose heart was burdened, who sought the Lord as a deer panting after the water brook. I tell you what, we all need that type of longing to get alone with God. We all need that type of burden in our soul to spend more time in prayer. Day and night, that was an investment that he made with time and tears. Now this brings me to verse number 6, the latter half of that verse. I'll repeat what we've read in verse 6, which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel, thy servants. And verse 6 continues, and confess the sins of the children of Israel, which we have sinned against thee, both I and my father's house have sinned. Now I want you uh, to put your seatbelt on. Because I think this is a very vital, important part of Nehemiah's prayer. He admits the iniquity of the children of Israel. We come to a very important part of Nehemiah's prayer, and I think the result of the devastation was because of the children of Israel's sin in the first place. They went away from God, and God allowed them to go into captivity, and the walls were burned. The city was destroyed because of their sin. And Nehemiah saw not only a need to rebuild some physical walls that were torn down, he saw a people that needed to get right with God. He admits the iniquity of the children of Israel. In other words, Nehemiah gets real honest with God. And not only about his nation, about himself. He's not looking around at everybody else and casting his 
finger of accusation against all of those people and saying, look at their problem. Look at their sin. Look at what they have done. Look at the need in their life. He said, no, it's not my brother. It's not my sister. It's me, O oh Lord, that stands in the need of prayer. I need God's help, Nehemiah said. It's not only my fathers. It's not only this generation of my people. It's me, Lord, that's caused this. I tell you, church, tonight, if we want real help from God, if we want revival from God, if we want God to move in our midst, we got to get honest with ourselves before a holy God. We have to get honest. We have to get humble. We have to get right. Amen. He began to confess his sin and the sin of his people. I heard a message long time ago. Sin always complicates life. You say, I've had trouble getting along with a brother or sister in church. Well, I'd say sin somewhere is the root of all that. You got awed against a brother? You ought to get that right. Amen? I've heard some of the greatest revivals started with people just confessing where they had wronged someone else and went and made that thing right. Amen? God wants to help us. God wants to bless us. We want help with our personal life or homes, our relationships, our church. The Bible says sin, when it is finished, brings forth death, James chapter number 1. You know what we need to do with sin? We need to confess it. We need to get it right. If there's any stain of sin that has blotted the pages of your life, you need to get it under the blood of Christ, amen, and confess that sin. So God can move, God can bless. The promise to believers, and I believe this is to the church, to the children of God, to brothers and sisters in Christ. 1 John 1, 9, if we, we, confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you believe that verse is still in the Bible? Amen. God's able to forgive. God's able to cleanse and to make right what is wrong in your heart. God's able to do that. Let me give you a few things tonight. Three things here that I believe we need to do in relation to sin in our life. You can jot these things down, and I tell you what, Nehemiah, before they ever built a wall, he admitted the iniquity of their hearts. He confessed some sin. If we want to see God do great and mighty things, we better humble ourselves before God, and we better start cleaning things up. Amen? Because that's sure the type of hearts God wants to bless. He got honest with God. Now, I want to show you these things the first thing comes out of the verse I just quoted, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. We need to agree with God about our sin. 
We need to agree with God. That word confess has the idea of being in agreement with God that you hate it just like he does. Amen. Confess your sin to God. Be in agreement with God how wicked it is and turn from it. Agree with God about your sin. A second thing about sin that I believe often is left out in in relation to sin and getting right with God, getting your heart right with God, a sinner being saved, is this matter of bro- being broken about our, our sin. Being broken. You know, uh, I believe it's easy for somebody to call upon the Lord and be saved. I think God's made it where a child can be saved. Amen? And I'm glad for that. But I, I think the hard part of people getting saved it's people realizing that they're lost and they're sorry for their sin. That's the hard part. I don't believe in this flippant thing of people not even concerned about their sin against God and their own soul and, and just repeating a little prayer. I believe people need to be truly sorry for their sin against God. We refer to that word as repentance. Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 9 says this, and I'm going to read, read from the Bible. Now I rejoice not that ye were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. There's some brokenness right there about sin. You're not just sorry, you were sorrowed to the point that it led to repentance. Verse 10 in that same chapter says, For godly sorrow worketh repentance. The contrition of heart where people are sorry for their sin. Listen, we have sinned against God. And we need to be broken about that. We need to be sorry about that. I've offended God. I've sinned against a holy God in my unrighteousness and my filthy sin. I've sinned against a holy God and my heart is sorry about that. That's brokenness about sin. Do you know when David prayed in Psalm 51, there was a lot of people he had sinned against But the confession of his heart was against thee only have I sinned. He was sorry he had offended God with his sin. Turn to Psalm 51. Let's look at it. Don't lose your place. Nehemiah chapter 1. We'll be back. But Psalm 51. Psalm 51. I will not take time to read the entire chapter, but the the entire chapter is given to the repentance of David after his murder and adultery. He was sorry for his sin. 
Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Boy, sin will rob you of a lot of things in life, including your joy. Amen. There's nothing like a clean, holy, pure life where you can have peace in your heart. Amen. But look with me later in the chapter, verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, Else would I give it, thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. Do you see that in the Bible? A broken and contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That's that heart of contrition. That's that brokenness about sin. That's being sorry for the sin whereby you've offended God. May we as a church not do that. May we be broken. May we be sorry if there's any sin in our life that we are broken to the point of saying, God, I'm sorry for the sin whereby I've offended you or offended my brother. God, help us to be broken about sin. Broken. Now, another thing that not only do we need to agree with God about our sin and be broken about our sin, we need to come clean from our sin. Turn to 1 John chapter number 1. 1 John, back to 1 John. Amen. Get some Bible exercise here turning in the Bible. 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8. We need to come clean. I'm going to shoot it straight, just as straight as the Bible does. Here it goes. I told you to put your seatbelt on a little earlier. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Again, this is to believers. That's to us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, hallelujah, thank God for verse 9. But verse 10 again says, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. Do you know what the confession of sin is bookended by on either side of confession of sin is the realization that there are people that will say, I have no sin or I have never or I have not sinned. Not only do you deceive yourself in verse 8, you call God a liar or make him a liar in verse number 10. And I don't want to have any part with either one of those. I want to be in verse 9. I just want to come clean with God and be honest with God about my life and my heart and those things that may be in my life that is not pleasing to God. I just want to come clean, have that clearing of sin out of my life. 
People form all kinds of opinions about their self that people seem to think they're right. I'm going to read you a list of verses or just give you some quotes from these verses and just listen. I don't, I don't want you to try to turn to all this. This is like catching rapid fire. Amen. This, this, we won't have time to turn. Proverbs chapter 30 verse 12 says they were pure yet not washed. Proverbs 23 verse 4, cease from thine own wisdom. Proverbs 21 verse 2, every way of man is right in his own eyes. Chapter 16 verse 2, all the ways of man are clean. Chapter 16 of Proverbs verse 25 and also chapter 14 verse 12, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Chapter 12, verse 15, a way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7, be not wise in thine own eyes. Judges chapter 21, verse 25, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Judges also chapter 17, verse 6. And then in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 8, ye shall not do after all every man whatsoever is right. Church, one of the greatest forms of deception, and there's a lot of deceivers, amen, we have the devil and we have riches and we have wine and evil communication and sin in general. There's a lot of things that deceive us in life, but one of the greatest forms of deception is our own heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That heart is deceitful. And for us to sit so self-righteously week after week after week and say, I'm never wrong, I have no sin, we deceive ourselves. May we keep a clean slate with God, amen, and out of a humble, broken heart, take our, our sin to the Lord and leave it there, amen. Come clean from your sin. Oh, how deceptive the heart is. People can deceive themselves, Galatians 6, thinking too highly of their self. We get swelled heads and our chest stuck out and think we're something when we're not. That can be dangerous, amen? Thinking more of ourselves and less of others. The Bible says we ought to esteem others better than ourselves. We can ponder sin, being a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word. The Bible says we can deceive ourselves. And what we're doing right now, we're listening to the Bible. You know what you do when you leave this church? You go out and put feet on what you've heard. And there's a great difference between being a doer of the word and just a hearer of the word. And God says a lot of people are satisfied with just coming three times a week or twice or whatever you do and uh, sitting and listening. But there's a lot more to the Christian life than just being a hearer of the Bible. I know it makes us feel good to hear the Bible. But I tell you, it makes God feel good when you do the Bible. Amen? Amen. Don't deceive yourself. So many, there's so many types of sin in the Bible. There's sin of commission, doing what God said not to do. There's the sin of omission, not doing what God did say to do. 
There's a sin of unrighteousness, anything that's not righteous. There's a sin of doubt, that which is not of faith. There's a sin uh, of the wicked, the plowing of, of the unsaved. There is the sin of the mind, the thought of foolishness is sin. There's so many types of sin in the Bible. I want you to turn in the Bible, Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28. We'll, I believe we'll unhitch right here. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs chapter 28, verse number 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. There was no mincing of words. It, it would be almost impossible to misunderstand that. If you cover and hide your sin, you will not prosper. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. There were some in the Bible that tried to hide their sin. That didn't end well. Achan was one of those, and he was aching after, amen, they found out his sin. Judas... And a lot of these said, I have sinned. Judas said it because his sin was at as much pleasure to him as he thought it would be. Sin lied to Judas. Achan, he said, I have sinned, but it's because he got caught in his sin. Pharaoh said it to get God off his back. That didn't work out too well for him. But there's a few in the Bible that confessed and forsook their sin and God showed them mercy. David was such a man that prayed in Psalm 51. God had mercy on David. The prodigal son that had taken that substance and wasted it on riotous living from his father. The Bible says when he came to himself... I like that phrase in the Bible. He left that hog pen, and I've heard it said before, and I've said this, he kicked a pail and jumped a rail and hit the trail back to the father's house. He headed back to his father. And there when he ran to the father, he said, make me as one of thy hired servants. He, he was sorrowful in his heart for running away from home and away from his dad and wasting his substance. And he fell on his neck, the father did, and kissed his son. He had mercy on him. There's a great benefit and a great blessing to the people who will confess and forsake their sin. God will have mercy. I think that's what happened in Nehemiah. I think there's a man that got serious with God about his own heart and the heart of his nation. And he wept and he prayed. He just came clean with God. He poured it all out. He said, God, we're not deserving of a thing, but would you please have mercy on us? And God did something really special and really great through Nehemiah and the children of Israel.
I believe this is a real secret to what it takes to get, to get where we need to be with God. There needs to be some brokenness, some contrition. People not going through life and saying everything's okay. No, I'd say there's probably something in everybody's life whereby we need to get something right with God. And God can bless that. You talk about a church full of people getting right and getting things, uh, things out of their life, whether we consider it great or small, amen, and getting a clean heart with God. Woo, glory to God, what God can do with that. Amen. Let's just come clean like Nehemiah did, and God can bless it. God can bless it. Let's bow our heads, please, for prayer. Nehemiah got sincere and serious about praying. That's where it all began. Was on his face before the Lord. Some have already started moving from their seat. If you need to pray, why don't you do that? If you're here and not saved, please let us know so we can have somebody take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Listen, whether you come to the front or there in your pew, let God search your heart. Let God see your heart. Open up your heart to Him. Don't hide things from the Lord. Let's be open and clear with God and see what God does. Amen. Brother Stevens, if you'll sing for us, please, my brother. Have thine afflictions been nailed to the cross? Is thy heart right with God? Counts thou all things for Jesus but loss? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. Hast thou dominion o'er self and o'er sin? Is thy heart right with God? Over all evil, without and within, Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, Cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. Art thou now walking in heaven's pure light? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy soul wearing the garment of white? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, 
cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. We have some folks still praying, and we want to respect this time of prayer and uh, do some searching in your own heart. Let God search down deep in the depths of the heart and uh, make sure your heart is clean. I know we try to do this before we observe the Lord's table and as we should to let uh, people consider the situation in their own heart not to partake of the Lord's table unworthily. But you know, we ought not to want to live one day on this earth in an unworthy manner before God. We all want to be in fellowship with God, have our hearts clean and right with the Lord and with others. I emphasize and with others. Amen? Amen. And uh, make sure your heart's right with your brother and sister in Christ. I tell you how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. Amen. Brother Stephen, sing another verse for us if you would. Are all thy powers under Jesus' control? Is thy heart right with God? Does he each moment abide in your soul? Is thy heart right with God? Is thy heart right with God? Washed in the crimson flood, cleansed and made holy, humble and lowly, right in the sight of God. We use a phrase often that we hope all hearts and minds are clear. Uh, I, I think that's a good question to ask tonight, amen. Is your heart clear? Is it right? And uh, let's be dismissed in a word of prayer. If you'll bow your head, let's pray and we'll be dismissed. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God, how it speaks to us. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd use the message tonight and the prayer of Nehemiah to speak to some heart. And Lord, if there is any unconfessed sin, Lord, things that are lingering in people's lives that would hinder fellowship with you, Lord, I pray they get it right. God, help us as your people. Lord, may you bless us. And we ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. All right, you can stand. We're dismissed. May the Lord bless you. Hope you have a good evening.